Some people are willing to say anything and do anything just to go along and get ahead. They're the ones that quickly compromise their values, if they have any at all, easily bought, bribed, and bullied into submission. They have not the courage to speak the truth to powerful people. Am I describing you or someone you know? With a message from God, Daniel was unafraid to confront a shameless and sacrilegious king who defied the Holy One of Israel and partied like there was no tomorrow. Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else, Daniel said. Now that sounds like a man who is not for sale. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, today, Ron takes us to a party. And what a party it was. It was thrown by the King of Babylon, and it was marked by drunkenness, sacrilege, and an absence of moral restraint. It's all part of Ron's continuing series, Standing Strong, and it starts right now. Remember, you can stream or download the program anytime at our brand new website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now from Daniel chapter 5, here's Ron with his Something Good Radio message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. Well, I have good news for us today, the kind of news that hopefully you're going to say, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. All right, you ready for this? We're all invited to a party. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. We're all invited to a party. That's right. And that party is found in Daniel chapter 5. It's an ancient party. We're going to go back in time, almost 25, 2,600 years ago, to one of the most notorious parties in human history. Let's begin in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, actually his grandfather, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the kings and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the gold vessels that they had that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Well, Daniel chapter 5 starts with a big party, a great feast that uh, King Belshazzar Put on. That's a new name for us in our study of the book of Daniel. We're used to King Nebuchadnezzar, but about 23 years have passed between Daniel chapter 4 and Daniel chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the longest reigning monarch in the Babylonian Empire uh, more than 25, 26 centuries ago, is now off the scene, and his grandson, Belshazzar, 
now sits on the throne, and Belshazzar throws this big party. He's got an enormous guest list, about a thousand of his, of his lords and his nobles and you know, the reigning people in the Babylonian uh, government there, and he invites them to a big party. Now, before we go to that party and to see what that's all about, just a historical note here. Daniel chapter 5 is one of those places in the Bible where God's Word is proven trustworthy. If you have any doubts that the pages of Scripture, this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is the Word of God, here's one of those little places where it's always kind of fun to drop in uh, an example of the trustworthiness of Scripture. Over the years, not a few Bible critics have stumbled over this passage and have pointed out, you know, the apparent discrepancy in the passage because it refers to Belshazzar the king when most ancient historians record Nabonidus as the last king of Babylon with no mention of Belshazzar. You say, well, what's up with that? You know, is the book of Daniel wrong? The critics of Scripture will say, see, it, it, it's not even in line with ancient historical documents. I say not so fast. Because, as I often say, sometimes it takes, uh, let's say, archaeology a little bit of time to catch up to what God already knows. Uh, the Nabonidus Chronicle, which is known as a Babylonian cuneiform document unearthed by archaeologists, actually confirmed that both the Bible and ancient historians were correct. Uh, they bring these two documents together. Uh, this. Um, Babylonian document discovered by archaeologists revealed that Belshazzar was the eldest son and co-regent with Nabonidus, and together they reigned over the Babylonian Empire from 553 to 539 B.C. Now, this perfectly explains why later in Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar offers to the wise guys of Babylon and later to Daniel. Um, some rewards in the form of money and promotion to power to the third ruler of the kingdom. Why the third ruler? Well, <laughs> because uh, Nabonidus and Belshazzar were co-regents, were co-kings, okay? I, again, I just think it's wonderful how, you know, in time, the archaeologists turn enough dirt, you know, shovels full of dirt to discover things like this that always prove, archaeology always proves the Bible correct, never proves it wrong. Now, we may have to wait for archaeology, sometimes even science, to catch up to what God already knows, but the Bible is the Word of God and it is trustworthy. Now, back to the party. I promised you a party this morning, right? So we're going to go back to the party. And here's King Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, throwing a great feast, a great party with more than a thousand of his uh, closest friends on the guest list. And if you're old enough to remember the Hollywood movie Animal House, this is that kind of party, okay? All right, you, you, you can decide not to come, but we're, we're gonna go to this party and find out what it's all about. Uh, there are really three characteristics of this, this, this uh, grotesque uh, display of debauchery that we could highlight. One is the drunkenness. The wine flowed freely. They drank wine in the front of the thousand, it says, of Belshazzar. Uh, he, he's got wine for everybody. The wine never ran out. 
this um, show of drunkenness reminds me of Proverbs chapter 31 and verses 4 and 5. I wonder if King Solomon later had Belshazzar in mind when he wrote this. He said, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. King Belshazzar drank and, and he forgot some things that his uh, grandfather Nebuchadnezzar learned. He forgot the decrees and the dreams and the interpretation of those dreams. Because the reason this party in ancient Babylonian history is the most notorious party in human history is because this is the night, this is the night the Babylonian Empire fell to the Medes and the Persians. Drunkenness characterized this party. Also, fluid morality, all right? The moral restraints have been lifted. Why do I say that? Because in ancient times, it was highly unusual for women to be present at a party like this with the king and his nobles. But women are all over the party. The king's wives, yes, plural. His concubines, yes, plural. And they're all part of it. And your, your mind, don't let it run too wild with imagination, but you can have, imagine what's going on with the drunkenness and the, the mixed genders and all of that. A third aspect of this uh, scene is uh, described by the sacrilegiousness of King Belshazzar. Because it says that he, he asked for the, the sacred vessels to be brought to him. Remember in 605 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar led the charge and they besieged the city of Jerusalem and took to uh, Babylon in captivity the best and the brightest of the young Hebrews, that included Daniel and his three friends. Well, they also ransacked the temple in Jerusalem and took all of the sacred vessels, including the gold goblets, and they brought them back to Babylon and they put them in the, in the temple of their gods. Well, Belshazzar says, bring me the goblets, bring me the goblets. And he gets the gold goblets, fills them up with wine, raises a toast to the pagan gods of Babylon. He toasts the god of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. How sacrilegious can you be? Belshazzar has taken the evil and the... Uh, uh, grotesqueness of Nebuchadnezzar to a whole new level. At least Nebuchadnezzar's heart on occasion, and we think even as he ended up, was, was leaning toward the one true God of Israel. Belshazzar defies the Lord God. The name Belshazzar means Bel will be king. And many believe that as he is uh, beginning to see the Medes and the Persians moving in on the great city of Babylon and upon the Babylonian Empire, uh, that he calls this party and he raises this toast in national pride and he says, no, Baal, Baal, the pagan god will be king and I will be king. It, it is just a, a grotesque display of arrogance and pride. He's taking it to a whole new level and the false security of the king is on display here. By the way, this night and this party and what happens on this, this night is not only an inter, uh, a fulfillment, rather, of Daniel chapter 2, but it's also a fulfillment of a prophecy by a contemporary prophet named Jeremiah. Read Jeremiah 50 and 51. It describes the fall of the great Babylonian empire on a night when the leaders 
stumbled around in drunkenness. Isn't it uh, amazing how precise the Word of God is when it predicts uh, the future? But this is the night spoken of in Nebuchadnezzar's dream back in Daniel chapter 2. Do you remember that story about the great colossal image, the image that started with gold and then went to silver, bronze, and then iron, and then down to the uh, legs and feet was a mixture of, 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 uh, uh, of iron and uh, clay. And it was a picture of the panorama of world empires to come, starting with the Babylonian Empire. Uh, it was the golden head. But the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar learned, would ultimately fall. And it fell to the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire, pictured in the chest and arms of silver, uh, those two empires that came together. And then the Medes and the Persians eventually fell to the Grecians, the Grecians to the Romans, the Romans fell of their own doing. We await in Bible prophecy the future rise of the revived Roman Empire, and now we're to the end of the age. But here on this night, we go from gold to silver, just as God predicted, and just as uh, He predicted through Nebuchadnezzar's dream and also through Jeremiah's uh, prediction as well. It's a reminder that God will not toler tolerate arrogant self-sufficiency for long. He, he raises up some, he puts them down, he, he, he decrees the existence of these, these world empires. Don't go away, we'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. If you're new to the program, We'd like you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, take some time to browse our brand new site, including the Partners page, where you can find out all about Something Good Radio's 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's Word the whole year through. That's the Partner tab at somethinggoodradio.org, or feel free to give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that number is 757-276-1099. Well, God wasn't invited to the king's party, but he decided to crash it anyway. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. So that's a description of the party. Now, every party that you can think of a good party usually has somebody who wants to crash the party, right? You ever crashed a party before that you weren't invited to? Well, there's a party crasher that appears beginning in verse 5. It says, immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote, then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. And the king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. And then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. So somewhere in the middle of the evening, while the party was, you know, going hardy, 
And the king and his nobles were probably a bit inebriated, but not so much that they couldn't recognize what was happening on the wall. There was a hand that appeared there. You ever heard about the handwriting on the wall as it relates to Daniel? This is the scene. This cryptic-looking hand appears on the wall and begins writing a message. Belshazzar picks up on this, maybe out of the corner of his eye. We don't know exactly, but he loses all the coloring in his face, all right? Just like Nebuchadnezzar's dream frightened him, this vision frightened Belshazzar. And what's the first thing he does? Well, he does just like his old granddaddy did. He calls in the wise guys of Babylon, the enchanters and the astrologers and the Chaldeans, and he says to them, guys, if you can interpret that for me, I'll give you great wealth and authority and power. I'll make you the third ruler of the kingdom. And just like before, the wise guys of Babylon uh, cannot interpret the vision. Now, hold your thoughts right there. Dr. John Walvoord, who was a past president of Dallas Seminary and chancellor when I was there at school, he's done some excellent research in the book of Daniel and has written a fine commentary on the book, and he, he adds this historical note. Very interesting. He says, in the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace, archaeologists have uncovered a large throne room 56 feet wide and 173 feet long which probably was the scene of this banquet or this party. Midway in the long wall opposite the entrance, there was a niche in front of which the king may well have been seated. Interestingly, the wall behind the niche was covered with white plaster as described by Daniel, which would make an excellent background for such a writing. Again, isn't it, isn't it fascinating and confirming to our faith and our trust in the Word of God that when archaeology discovers something, it reads just like the Bible does. Uh, this is not fantasy. This is not once upon a time. You won't find unicorns and fairy dust in the Bible. This is real people in a real place and time in history. And archaeology confirms it in, in some amazing ways. Well, the wise guys of Babylon cannot interpret the dream and the vision, rather. And so um, the king finds himself in a difficult place. He's perplexed. You know, the color in his face, you know, has left him. He's clearly bothered by this. And all of his guests have picked up on this. Something is not right. That's when in walks the queen mother. Let's read on in verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared... Now, let me just stop right there. This is probably not the king's wife, but the queen mother. Uh, some scholars would say probably it's the, um, it's the living wife of King Nebuchadnezzar who was already gone. She isn't invited to the party or she wasn't at the party. All of ne uh, Belshazzar's wives and his concubines are there. Uh, she, she just appears at this moment and says... O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Does this sound familiar? She probably learned this from her husband, Nebuchadnezzar. In the days of your father, now in ancient times, father, grandfather were kind of synonymous terms depending upon, you know, no matter the length of the generational span. So 
Again, Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. In the days of your father or your grandfather, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him, that is Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your grandfather, um, made him, that is Daniel, chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will uh, show the interpretation. Um, the queen mother shows up and says, uh, son, uh, you, you need some help. You need to call on uh, Daniel. By the way, one of the great themes in the book of Daniel is this idea that human wisdom is weak and powerless. And over and over again, the wise guys of Babylon have, have been shown to be weak and powerless. Or as Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, that the wisdom of God makes foolish the wisdom of men. And, uh, and it does over and over again. All of the human sources we go to to solve the problems of our day, to solve our personal problems, to solve our, uh, our country's problems, to solve the geopolitical problems of our day and our age, all of those human sources will ultimately fail. And this is proven over and over again in, in the book of Daniel. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at our brand new website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. Ron Jones' discipleship coaching experience, Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of others. That starting point, a disciple's first steps. Click the Course tab when you stop by the new somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio look forward to having you join us on our trip to the Holy Land. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information or to make a reservation today. Something Good exists only through your faithful prayer and financial support. When you give your gift to Something Good Radio, we'd like to offer you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Standing Strong. Again, that's all seven messages in Ron's teaching series, Standing Strong. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 or call our offices at 757-276-1099. 
Here at Something Good Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. And today, we'd like to pray for you. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org and click the Explore and then the How Can We Pray For You button so that our ministry team can join you in prayer. We, we know from Bible prophecy and history that superpowers and empires don't last forever. Most democracies only last a few hundred years. Are we in the twilight of our time as a nation? That's a fair question to ask. I'll go on record as saying I really don't see the United States of America specifically in Bible prophecy from this time forward to the end of the age. What happens to America? We, we can speculate about that all day long. I just know this, God will not tolerate defiant arrogance. And, and the sacrilegious treatment of his, his truths and his principles. That's next time when Ron talks about America's future in part two of his message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.